Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we invite you to share a conflict that you need help navigating, and I, along with a guest co-host, will share what we would do in that situation to help you reach your breakthrough. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I am so thrilled to have Vanessa K. Watson, one of my best friends, who is just an amazing powerhouse. Everything that this woman does is just incredible. I I don't want to to ruin the surprises for you. I'll, I'll ask her to introduce herself and tell you more about herself, but she is just amazing. And every time I'm with her, I just feel honored to be in her presence. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> they, can, they probably can't tell how much I love and adore you. They probably can't tell. <laughs> the feelings are mutual, Damali. The feelings are mutual. And it's 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 an honor to be your friend, your sister, um, sharing your wonderful journeys and experiences with you. I'm so excited about being on this podcast. We have so many fun journeys. We need a new, we, we need our own podcast to tell them about our adventures in Portugal and Iceland all over um, the world. We need yes. our own podcast for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But aside from being my travel partner and just partner in general and, and all things fun and amazing, um, what is it that you do? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so I do a lot of things. (laughs) Um, I would say that my passion are in the performing arts. I've been doing that since uh, I found a way to get into it after I left high school because I wasn't an early bloomer in the arts. I had the passion for the arts, and of course I would write my own songs and my own plays and perform it for everyone in my household, but I didn't formally get into it until after I graduated from high school when I auditioned for this performing arts group and was so thrilled to get in. Did that for about six years, including going to college for dance, and had this epiphany that instead of, you know, being underpaid as a performer, I could go to law school and help people like myself who were being taken advantage of as a performer. So that was the inspiration to go into law school. But I never strayed far from the arts. As you know, we get yes. down with the dance floor. We do. We dance. And Ailey, I, I saw you in the most amazing performance last December. That was just breathtaking. And I know there were other people on stage with you. But I, you, I was so mesmerized. It's an amazing dancer. And then your daughter came out and also just blew me away with her moves. So clearly the DNA in your family is such that you can do anything. You can dance. You can be an an, an amazing lawyer. I mean, is there anything that you don't do? (laughs) And I will tell you this secret about Vanessa. She makes the most delicious banana bread (laughs) ever, ever. You know, I I think we do ourselves a disservice when we limit ourselves as to I want to be this one thing. Because there's so many things you could do and there's so many things you could be. So just, I want to do this right now. or I want to do these three things. Like you're a living example of that, Damali. You're always doing like 10 different things at once. All the different languages that you know. Like there, there's so many things about you that are impressive. But yes, I think particularly as women, we do a lot simultaneously, you know, sequentially. Like we just you know, think outside the box and we try to resolve issues and we try to follow our passion and we try to pass it on and we try to train young girls and we try to train young men and there's just so much. So I think whenever I have an interest in something, I just go for it. 
well, you're going for it. You're succeeding. You're taking it to a new level. And so I'm just so honored to have you here. Um, Manessa has been, I've known her for a very long time. Um, she's been an amazing supporter, a mentor, a friend. And being on this podcast and kind of helping me put this idea that we talked about into like reality, it's just a wonderful thing. And you're right. Like we as women do so many things and we have to multitask and we have to think out of the box and be creative. And I like that you said, you know, like why put any limitations on yourself? I hope all of our listeners think about that. Don't put any limitations on yourself and think about that. I mean, you had a path that isn't the same as, you know, it's not that it's not the same, but it's. It's a path that, you know, you went to, you were into performing arts, you went to dance college, you performed for six years, and then you said, hey, I want to help people who are underserved, perhaps underrepresented, and underprivileged, and that's what you did. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, whenever I see people who are lost, you know, you get to that point in your career or wherever you are in life, and you're like, I'm just not sure where to go from here. I don't know where to take my life. I'm sort of at this crossroads and I don't know what to do. I always encourage them to think back to the things that got you excited when you were younger because I feel like we all come out with this blueprint, right? It's, it's there. I, I have two kids and I see it in them. I, it, I know the kinds of things that they're going to be interested in. Of course, they surprise me all the time. But <laughs> at the same time, they come, you come out with a blueprint. You come out with that passion. And some of us lose our way, right? Yes. Someone's telling you something to be or yes. someone's limiting you and putting you in a box. And you find yourself stuck. So I always say, go back to that place where what's the one thing when you did it, you, were, you felt so free and so energized and so happy. And you were like, I could do this for free. Like, I wouldn't, get paid, I wouldn't need to get paid for that. Go back to that. And follow that because it's that path that took me to where I am. I followed wow. my own path, my own passion, my own blueprint, and look where it led me. Wow. That's I didn't amazing. wake up thinking I was going to be a lawyer. Wow. And look at you today an amazing lawyer working at an amazing company, just really at uh, the top of your game. And I love, I mean, wow. I, Vanessa just gave us a blueprint for breaking through barriers. How about that? She said, go back to that moment that you found your passion, something that you love that made you so happy. I remember that feeling. And if it's something that you would do for free, then figure out how to get that back. And I think, Vanessa, that's a great way to kind of segue into the first uh, recording that we have on our on our show today. Um, it comes from a woman named Kyra, and I'll play the message. You have, you one, have message. one message. Hi, Bamali. It's Kyra. I'm finishing up my first year of law school, and I have received two opportunities for summer employment. One of the internships are at the Attorney General's Office in D.C. in the Public Advocacy Division, and the other one is a judicial internship in Baton Rouge. I'm having trouble deciding because next summer I would like to secure a firm job, which leads me to my question. Which internship position would not only be more appeasing to a firm, but which option would improve and add to the legal skills I've learned my first year in law school? Thank you so much for your help. Wow. So for those of you that are listening, it sounds like Kyra was saying that she just completed her first year of law school. Uh, she has two amazing opportunities for a summer internship. One is more on the uh, public advocacy side, uh, working in D.C., and the other one is more of a judicial internship. So 
a clerkship for a judge that's in Louisiana. And she has this sort of abundance of riches problem. She's trying to figure out what to do. She ha- It's a good problem to have. It's a good it's problem. It's a great problem to have, especially after your first year of law school. Vanessa and I both went to law school, so we can tell you it's a good problem to have. And so for her, she was trying to figure out uh, what position would be better for her, given that she knows that after her second year of law school, she'd like to work for a law firm, and she wants to really use this summer to improve her legal skills um, and kind of build upon what she's learned her first year of law school. And so what do you think, Vanessa? I agree with you, Damali, that this is a great problem to have. I mean, these are two wonderful opportunities. I really don't think she could go wrong with either. I mean, just thinking back to when I was in a firm and, you know, what was the thing that I think most people, particularly if you want to be a litigator, she can't go wrong either way, though, because I think the exposure at the uh, attorney general's office to all of these different people, depending on where, you know, whether you want to be in uh, in a litigation role or a corporate role, you said you wanted to go to a firm. So obviously you have to think about what it is you want to do or, or, or um, while you're at the firm. So usually there's a litigation path and there's a corporate right. path. And so depending on which one your focus is, um, you know, I don't think you could go wrong either way, but I do think the judicial clerkship would be very promising in a, in a law firm environment. Yeah, it sounds prestigious, yes. right? To have a judicial clerkship, no matter where it is. I think Vanessa's right. I mean, not that I think she's right. Vanessa's right, <laughs> as she usually is. What, what For me, because you have these two great options, I would broaden the scope a little bit, and I'd want to know, like, where are you right now? Where do you live right now? Which one is going to cost more? So yeah. do you have, you mentioned D.C., you mentioned Louisiana. Do you currently live in D.C.? So is it easy mm-hmm. to like keep your place? Mm-hmm. Um, do you ha- or do you currently live in Louisiana? So does one involve relocating? Mm-hmm. Does one involve paying more for expenses? Mm-hmm. Um, you said do you it, have family members? Do you have family nearby area? or friends? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I would want to know a little bit more about the situation to kind of get a sense of like, you said internship. Whenever I hear the word internship, I think that it's free. And I know that it's hard to get a paid job after your first year of law school. And so, you know, I don't know what the situation is, but I would want to know is one of one of the opportunities a paid opportunity? Is it not? Um, and if they both aren't, then how much is it going to cost you to be in one place over the other? Are they both the same period of time? I think the summer is probably around 12 weeks or so. Um, is there a universe where you could do both? So could you go to one for eight mm-hmm. weeks and the other for four weeks? I'm just, yes. Vanessa said, we think Absolutely. outside of yes. the box, Absolutely. right? It's a great problem to have. Um, you know, Vanessa said that the judicial clerkship is a great one. I would have to agree. Um, Particularly on the litigation side. But yeah. I think on either, I think all of Damali's questions are wonderful ones because you have to think about where you are right now and what makes the most sense for you given that i mean do you have plans to be at a firm in louisiana or dc is it close to home is it far from home do you know people there do you have connections there like uh, obviously the fact that you got both of them suggests to me that you have some connections so just think about what those connections are what what the next level is or could be for you whether you could do both Right, split your summer half and half and do both and have the best of both worlds. I, I think this is a wonderful opportunity. I remember myself being at a crossroad <laughs> when I was a first year between 
a paid uh, position at a law firm and being a part of this competition, which would end up with a paid position somewhere. Oh, and, wow. and that was my dilemma. <laughs> and, and wow, two great problems to have. Right. So how did you reach your breakthrough? So I went and I spoke with the, um, the dean. Uh, of the school and I said I, I have this you know because I was a finalist in this competition and um, so I said I'm a finalist in the competition but I also have an offer for, for this prestigious law firm that was going to pay me for the summer like what should I do and uh, the advice I got was point of the competition is to get what you got on your own you go with it you know you're like a first year and you're like i don't know i can't let these people down right so yes you you think it's like the biggest deal and it was just the simplest solution and i was able to give a friend of mine the opportunity wow to to take my place because she she had gotten knocked out and she got she got the opportunity and, and, and made it through and, and got a position. So it was a win-win. That's fantastic. You know, I'm a mediator. I love a win-win. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, you know, Kyra, it sounds like, you know, we, one, it sounds like you can't go wrong. Whatever you choose, you have a great option. Two, depending on where you you see your path going, um, one may be better for, than the other, especially if you're thinking about litigating um both of them are great if you're talking about the attorney general's office and yeah. judicial clerkship. And so you really can't go wrong. So hopefully you'll think about some of those intangibles that Vanessa and I talked about and ask yourself some of those other questions, kind of broadening the scope from the opportunity. But what's the opportunity cost, if mm-hmm. you will? All right. So without further ado, we'll play another message that we received in our, in our podcast voicemail box. And we'll make sure you have that number at the end of the show. So if you have any ideas or opportunities that you're considering if you have any conflicts you need help resolving you can you know just give us a call and we'll do our best to to walk you through it you have you one have one message this is rashida i um my question um for the uh, expert is that i have written a lot of curriculum over the last five years and i want to know what is the best step for me to um, get my curriculum copywritten so that um, the information doesn't get into the wrong hands. And what is the best policy for me to establish um, in the workplace while I'm in the process of getting my paperwork copywritten, well, my curriculum, so that the, the employees or the teachers that are using the curriculum don't steal it. Um, even if they take a picture of it, um, they can duplicate it. So what can I do as an entrepreneur to protect myself, my business, my, my uh, intellectual property from actually being um, used by another company or individual. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Wow. So I think there were two questions in there. The first question was, uh, what steps should she take to protect the curriculum that she's developed over the last five years? She was thinking about getting it, having a copyright for that, that material. The second question was, how does she prevent her employees from using her intellectual property and basically competing with her or or taking credit for it, what can she do to protect herself in that regard? So 
And that's it. I think both of us have some intellectual property experience. And of course, Rashida, thank you for calling into the show. Um, we'll tell you kind of what we would do in that situation, but just a reminder that we don't provide like legal advice. And so these are just some things that we would do if we were confronted with the same situation. What do you think, V? So, you know, it, the thing with copyright is it's the first person to do it and put it in some fixed tangible medium, right? So you've written it down from the moment you wrote it down in some fixed tangible medium, you have copyright protection, right? But there's another step. So someone else could come along and take your book or take a picture of your book or just read it over and do something similar, right? So if you think about um, what it is that you're trying to prove or to set up if there's an issue with a copyright infringement, it's, I did this first, right? So there's a, a, a I don't know if it's a principle, but there's something called a poor man's copyright, mm -hmm. where you essentially would put the curriculum through the U.S. Postal Service, mail it to yourself, and leave that copy in the, uh, in the envelope that it comes back to yourself to show that as of this date, you had copyright. So you're, 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 it's evidence or proof, if you will, to show that you had it as of this date, which presumably would be a date prior to whenever some individual is now copying, right? So you, you'd have to be in a position to enforce your rights in the copyright should someone start using it. So there's cease and desist letters, which you send Hire a lawyer. Yes, don't to, do it on to, your own. Hire a lawyer. To, to, to stop someone from infringing on your copyright. Um, you can also get a federal registered copyright. So you can, you, you know, send in your, your curriculum to the copyright register and put everyone on notice that you have a copyright in this curriculum. Uh, that would also give you a, an opportunity to file a lawsuit in federal court as opposed to suing people on a state level. And, you know, you put that little C on it and you put, you know, um, copyrighted and year, as you would see normally on a website, for example, at the bottom. So you put people on notice. That's what you're trying to do is to show people that this, this is intellectual property that belongs to someone and this is not something. And then you can add language like, you know, do not copy, do not, you know, use without permission or something like that. So those are the types of things that you can do on your own to secure permission. And then if you see someone using your work, you send them a notice, get a lawyer and, and send them a notice and put them on notice and you can bring them to court. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Vanessa. I, all of those things I agree with. And I would also say that, um, Part of it, too, is if you've put this curriculum together, you're doing it for a reason, and part of that could be economic. And so you want to protect your intellectual property, but you also want to protect your ability to um, utilize what you've created for financial gain, right? And so if someone creates, if someone takes your work or if someone creates derivative work, so they kind of take part of it and make something else from it, then they're kind of preventing you from going to market first, as Vanessa said, with that idea and if that's in a fixed medium. So definitely consult with the lawyer um, if you think that that's happening. But if in the first instance you're just thinking about um, protecting it, then I agree. You can have you know, the poor man's copyright or you know a common law copyright and just have it fixed 
you've written it, it's on your computer, there's probably a date associated with it, or you can mail it to yourself, as Vanessa said, or you can, you know, look at the U.S. Copyrights website, um, there's the U.S. Copyrights Office website, and then they'll walk you through the steps of for filing a copyright, um, and that's how you have the Federal Register that Vanessa mentioned, and then you have that record to, you know, give you some more uh, standing or to give you more assistance in protecting your intellectual property. The, the other question that you had was now that you have it and you have people that are working with you, so not that you have the copyright, but you have this material, you want to prevent others from, from using it, um, from exploiting it to their own gain. And that's an interesting question because clearly you can't kind of, you can't really prevent someone from doing something, from taking a picture. You can ask them not to do it. You can have a, a non-disclosure and inventions agreement, um, which depending on where you're calling from, uh, different states have different rules as to what can go in there. So for example, if someone is giving up this right to do something, if they're working for you and maybe they help put together part of the curriculum, is it a work for hire on the copyrights law? Do they have to, do you have to give them something, maybe some consideration to give up the rights to whatever it is they worked on. And so the first thing that I would suggest is just to make sure you have a good agreement, a good contract with whomever it is you're working with. And it's clear as to what the roles are and what the responsibilities are with respect to the materials that are being created um, while they're working with you. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think, you know, as, as an intellectual property owner, you have to take all of these steps to make sure that any downstream parties that you're sharing your intellectual property with are adhering to uh, essentially recognizing your ownership rights and are agreeing that they will not infringe. So they're using this with your permission to carry out your purposes uh, for your own economic or other um, goals or reasons, but, but that they will not use this independently or share it with any third party without your permission. So you want a solid airtight contract to essentially prevent uh, these parties that you're exposing your uh, IP to, to adhere to protect the IP. Absolutely. And you know, this this is a good problem to have, right? You've created something and you want to put it out into commerce. You want to put it out into the public. We call that publishing. And you want to protect it. And so definitely consult with an attorney who can give you some more insight, who can sort of look at what you have and, and really guide you um, to making sure that you protect it and making sure that it belongs to you and that your employees, to the extent that you know, they are employees as opposed to contractors, and even if they are contractors, aren't, um, are, as Vanessa said, using them in accordance with your wishes. Right, and to the extent, Damali brought up the point about whether they worked on some part of it, right? So you want to have an assignment from them to you, including moral rights. So Ooh, now we're getting rights. deep. <laughs> now we're getting deep in copyrights. <laughs> you want them to assign everything to you in that work or have some work for higher language, depending on what their status is. But yes, copyright can be a very intricate uh, uncomplicated area of law, depending on what the nature of the work is. So I wouldn't suggest, you know, if you're if you're publishing this and you're, you know, having relationships with others who are utilizing your work, uh, I would suggest you get some advice, um, including with the contract drafting. So you have a present assignment, not future assignment. You're getting it, uh, the protection that you need in real time. Awesome. Vanessa, thank you so much. I mean, 
basically this is the kind of conflict that comes up where you're just like you have something great and what I've found is sometimes people don't even want to share their ideas because mm-hmm. they're so afraid of, of someone uh, taking the ideas from them. People have been burnt like that. People though. have been burnt yeah. but you know what? What I have found my experience has been one, everyone can't carry out your idea because <laughs> they just true. don't have the, you know, like you have this passion right. you have the idea and maybe you may have the resources that you need to actually turn that idea into an opportunity. And there's only one you who there's can do it the same only way that you one do it, you. right? That's it. We, have, we know that there are many authors out there. Yes. But only one person could write your story. That's so true. That's so true. And what I found is sometimes if you put your idea into the universe, if you say to someone else, you'd be shocked. If I mean, that person could be able to help you mm-hmm. in the next part of your idea. And so I think it's really important to take these things out of your mind and put them out into the universe. And I'm not saying to go around sharing all your, like you have an idea journal, you're just walking down the street saying, hey, think about this, I was going to invent this. You know, I'm not saying to do that and give away all of your thoughts. I'm just saying that find the right time, find the right person, and then start figuring out how to really give life to these ideas. But I don't think, my opinion is that that you can't, they won't have life if they only live in your mind. I agree. You know? You have to trust someone. You gotta trust someone. Someone. (laughs) (laughs) Call us back. We'll have Vanessa back on the show. I I already know she'll be a recurring co-host because she, as you can all hear, is just that phenomenal and awesome. And so I just want to just take a moment to thank Everyone for tuning in. I want to thank Vanessa for being on the show. She's just phenomenal in everything that she does. And frankly, she's helped me come to my own breakthroughs. And so having her on Breakthrough Barriers with Damali is just perfect because she's just that type of amazing person in my life. I'd like to thank the audience for tuning in. Again, I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day. Do you have any barriers that we can help you break through? If so, you can leave a brief message at 646-363-6322 or on our interactive blog at www.breakthroughadr.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at the at sign B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H capital A, capital D, capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.